The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. This morning we'd like to continue our series in consideration of, of fear and uh, contrast between the fear of God and the spirit of fear and then some specific ways that that spirit of fear manifests in our lives. And uh, last week we tried to consider together the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future, fear of what might happen. And uh, this morning like to try to consider together the fear of being overwhelmed, which we'll just summarize as stress. The fear of being overwhelmed. I want to go to Psalm 61 to introduce, begin our thoughts this morning. Psalm 61. <clears throat> you know, many times as preachers, you really wonder if uh, the Lord's guiding your studies and guiding your uh, decision making in uh, the messages to bring, um, especially for me when I get in the midst of what ends up typically being long sermon series. <laughs> uh, sometimes I really have to have to pray, is this me just finishing what I started or is the Holy Spirit uh, guide, guiding it? And um, it was a real blessing. Last week we talked about the fear of the unknown and got a, a message from uh, a dear member of another church who listens faithfully to our messages, and, and that message was exactly what she needed at that exact day, and uh, was kind enough to express that, um, and we're so thankful for that, those kind little reassurances that the Lord gives us from time to time, that hopefully it's it's the Spirit that's guiding and, and directing our, our thoughts and our sermons, and the timing of each sermon we trust. And kind of along those same lines, it's very interesting that last week we were dealing with the fear of the unknown, and, mm -hmm. and this week we're trying to deal with the fear of being overwhelmed and, and stress. And boy, is it an appropriate topic for me this week. <laughs> it's been a heavy week. It's been a lot of uh, burdens that I haven't done a great job of taking Christ's yoke upon me. You know, uh, uh, I was telling Bethany this week... Uh, the Lord is so gracious, but also so uh, loving in a, in a sense to force me to have to practice what I preach. And I, and I think I've got a little bit of a progress report, a little midterm exam this week, and, and I think I flunked it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I flunked it. Um, because uh, that's why we need to have our pure minds stirred up by way of remembrance. You know, I know these verses. I, I know... Um, the exact verses to go to to encourage you to how to respond to things. Um, but the execution is difficult. The execution is difficult. And um, I was certainly reminded of that this week. And uh, how, how interesting <laughs> of the Lord's timing uh, that 
if not, if not, I say a lot of that to say I, I hope that this, our consideration of these topics are of the Lord and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and I hope they minister to you. But boy, if anybody needs them, it's me. <laughs> and we certainly hope and pray that the Spirit uh, will bless the sermon, but more than that, that we can all learn better ways to implement these, uh, these remedies to, to quench that torment of the spirit of fear and the bondage that goes along with that, um, that is inevitable in our life, especially if we don't bring every thought into captivity. And boy, that's, that's a difficult proposition. And, uh, and again, I'm pretty sure I flunked that this week. So, uh, we hope the Lord bless this to be an encouragement to, to you, glorifying to him. Maybe we can have some uh, instruction on how we can try to conquer these challenges that we undertake. Psalm 61. <clears throat> Psalm 61. Beginning <clears throat> in verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Verse 2 right there. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Verse 1 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. In this condition, when my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart is overwhelmed. You see here, the first response to an overwhelmed heart is clearly prayer. Right? It's crying unto the Lord and offering prayer unto Him. But... I think the Lord suffers challenging circumstances to come in our life many times for us to be reminded of the truth that it's a, it's a truth whether we actively walk in this reminder or not of just really how weak we are. Just how weak we are and our, our truly our inability to bear the burdens of this life if we are trying to bear those burdens ourselves. Um, we hope to make our way before we conclude this morning, if we stay on track, Lord willing, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when the Apostle Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh. And the Lord tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to give you what you need but he reminds, the Lord reminds him there, for when I am weak, then am I strong. It's in the midst of my own weakness, when I realize my own weakness, and, my, and I pray unto the Lord and say, Lord, this, uh, this weight is too heavy for me. It's in the midst of my weakness that the power and the strength of Christ can shine forth in that situation to his glory and to his honor. Okay, And we hope that we can reach that point that we can say along with the Apostle Paul, therefore I will glory in infirmities. I mean, I, that thorn in the flesh still didn't feel good. It was still painful. 
the Lord saw fit to suffer. The Lord didn't take it away. But I can glory in that. Why? Because in the midst of my weakness, the power of Christ, the strength of Christ, has the ability to shine forth in the midst of my weakness. So when our heart's overwhelmed, we pray unto God to try to relieve that burden, give it over to Him. But one of the reasons why the Lord suffers us to be reminded of this from time to time is to lead us to the rock that's higher than I. Uh, You know, um, some people exalt the Apostle Peter a little bit too high. and There in Matthew 16, Jesus told him, you know, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And uh, some people want to make that to be Peter. He's not talking about Peter. Peter there means a little bitty pebble. I'm not building a house on a pebble. I don't know about you, but I'll build it on the Rock of Ages, but I'm not going to build it on a pebble, especially a very unreliable pebble (laughs) like Peter. And we're all unreliable pebbles too. But um, the reliance that you are going to put on when when you realize just how heavy the burdens of this life are is not going to be a little bitty pebble. You know, it's going to lead you to the rock that's higher than I am because my, my abilities are, are very insignificant and inadequate to deal with the challenges and the trials of this world. So when my heart's overwhelmed, it is for the purpose many times of reminding us to lead us back to that rock that we can rely upon which is Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. You know, as I've studied this, and we're dealing with this now in a a pulpit sermons, but I've been uh, studying on this and meditating on this for quite a while, uh, for a few years now, and um, it really struck me a few years ago, and it just seems that it um, becomes more prevalent the more I think and meditate on it. And it's just a sobering reality that stress is sin. Stress is sin. Now, God's grace covers that sin. <laughs> Jesus Christ paid the penalty for that sin. But when I, when I allow the circumstances of life to consume me to such a degree and the burden to get so heavy that it is quenching my discipleship today, because of the burden and stress that I'm that I'm bringing upon my shoulders, instead of taking Christ's yoke upon me, that's his yoke is easy and his burden is light. What that is at its core is a lack of faith and trust that God's grace is really sufficient. It's a lack of faith, and whatsoever is not of faith is sin. <laughs> And that's a sobering thing to remember because sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I, I try to make myself feel better about stress. Well, you know, everyone struggles with this, and that's absolutely true. But at the end of the day, there's some degree of stress, just like we talked about fear. There's some degree of stress that can be beneficial to uh, have you focused. You know, some, some people... Um, timelines really focus them and really allow them to rise to the occasion 
to me, it just causes more stress, and I usually crumble under a timeline. But but some people, it really it really focuses them. Okay, and there are just like the fear. There, there are there are limited circumstances where that can be beneficial. But if we are allowing stress, the fear of being overwhelmed, that the weight and the responsibilities and the burdens that are upon me are not just more than I can bear, but that they will crush me. If that is the the struggle that I'm in the midst of, that at its core is unbelief and a lack of faith. And that's sin. That's sin. And we need to repent of that sin just like we do every other sin. And the way that we do that is really just having a more clear vision of Jesus, really. And just being reminded of how strong he is, how faithful he is. And he's promised us, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's promised us that his grace, his grace is not just sufficient. He gives exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. His grace is more grace. James chapter 4 and verse 6, God giveth more grace. John chapter 1 and verse 16, God has given us grace for grace. And that's the story of our life, or at least it is of mine. I hope that you can say as well, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I haven't just got bare minimum grace. I've got grace upon top of grace upon top of, on top of grace. And also don't be reminded, or don't forget rather, that grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. That means you don't deserve it. That means you don't deserve it. But isn't God so good? to give us that unmerited favor even when we doubt, even when our faith fails, when our faith is overthrown, when our faith is shipwrecked, and all of the mistakes that we make, God is still gracious to give us the unmerited favor that is sufficient for the needs of our life. And when the, when the need is greater, God's going to give you more grace. I hope you've seen that displayed in your life. But if you haven't, number one, read scripture. If you if you haven't, um, counsel with people that have been around a while. Because I'll tell you, you need grace every day. Ain't no doubt about that. You need grace every single day because there are many challenges and struggles that we have every single day. But I'll tell you, sometimes things happen in your life where you need the dump truck of grace to just back up, you know? I don't need regular grace, if you'll let me just kind of use trite terms. <laughs> regular, everyday, getting through the day and not catastrophically messing up grace. No, when you have uh, a severe trial, let me tell you, God knows about that. God knows about that, and he's going to give you more grace than you could ever imagine to provide for that need. And this, by the way, so many of these things are so interconnected. Um, you know, where does a lot of this uh, fear of being overwhelmed come from? It comes from a fear of the unknown, right? We, we let that build and build and build. What does that cause? It causes stress. And maybe, maybe some of that unknown is connected to the fear of man. Maybe some of that unknown is connected to the fear of death. And I'll tell you, it's, we're, we're considering these individually, but they are not, they are not isolated and, and they are not segmented. It's all just, unfortunately, one big revolving circle that one feeds the other. And all of that funnels back into the fear and the concern 
that the that the responsibilities and the burdens and the trials and the stresses that are placed upon me are going to be more than I can bear. And that creates a fear that I'm just going to be crushed in the midst of that. Now, I want to give you a definition for stress. And this is from Google, so you know it's right. <laughs> right? Only thing better is Wikipedia. <clears throat> That's not true, students <laughs> that, are, that are researching things. Um, but even though it was off the first page of Google, um, I think this is one of the most precise definitions that I've heard, I've heard of stress. <clears throat> Pressure or tension exerted upon a material object, i.e. The, the distribution of stress is equal across the bar of steel. Come back to that. Ace number two. A state of emotional or mental strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. <clears throat> now, you've probably heard the term stress in regards to uh, maybe like construction or uh, a metal, that the, the maximum amount of stress that this particular structure or that this particular metal can handle is this amount. It's this weight. And it's been tested. It's been tested that, uh, I would like to get specific, but I have engineers in the room, <laughs> um, that um, this particular piece of steel, this particular piece of steel can handle a thousand pounds, okay? And I'm sure that's not even worth us to write. But <laughs> for the purpose of, of uh, exp or, or example, we'll say that this, it's been tested and proven that this piece of steel can hold 1,000 pounds. Well, what happens if you put 1,001 pounds on that piece of steel? Or, you know, you may have a little bit of, you may have a little bit of a leeway, maybe not, you know, one pound more, but, but let's say if you put 1,500 pounds, 2,000 pounds on that piece of steel, it has been tested that if you put that much weight upon that piece of steel, it breaks. At a minimum, it warps, right? But if you put this amount of, the, so that is the maximum stress that this amount of metal, that this amount of steel can bear, and if you put more on it than that, it will break. It's just the laws of, of uh, gravity, the laws of, of uh, the strength of that particular metal. And I think that that is an appropriate thought to have in our mind as we consider uh, the fear of being overwhelmed and, and the fear of stress is that ultimately what I'm afraid of is that this additional amount of burden and stress that's put on top of me, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And you know what? I would say 99% of the time, you're right. You're right. Because if we talk about the ability and the weight that you have the ability to bear, it's not very much. At the end of the day, we're dust. And we're returning to dust. What do you think the maximum capacity of weight that a little particle of dust can handle? Pretty much nothing. <laughs> Pretty much nothing, right? Um, 
And then, just in case you want to go one step above dust, you know, the Bible calls us a worm, you know. How much weight is a worm bench pressing? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing, because worms are weak. Dirt and worms are pretty weak, right? They don't have the ability to really bear up anything. And we really just have to confess. Confession is us, is us relaying to God verbally, but at a minimum in our heart, what's already true. You know, when you confess of your sins, you know, you're not creating a sin. You're, uh, you're acknowledging to God the reality of what has already occurred for the purpose of restoration of fellowship, right? So when you confess that I am weak, but thou art strong, Jesus keep me from all wrong. When I, when I confess that, I'm confessing, I'm just aligning myself with the reality of what's already true. But what would be very detrimental to your discipleship is for you to have confidence in your own strength to handle the challenges of this life and circumstances come and you say, Lord, please bless me. But you know what? I think I've been preparing for this for a long time. I think I've got a good execution plan. I think I've got a good game plan. I appreciate the offer of assistance, Lord, but I think I've got this one. That's not a good place for you to be at. <laughs> so guess what? Sometimes, on occasion, the Lord will allow you to be overwhelmed to lead you to the rock that's higher than Don't put confidence in your little bitty pebble. Don't put confidence in your little grain of sand and your strength and ability to bear the birds of this life. You put confidence in the rock of ages and you can truly do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But if you're strengthening yourself, you know, it says in uh, Jeremiah, let not the, the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. You know, um, I've never been in a position to be too physically strong and fit, but there's a lot of people that have put a lot of confidence in their physical strength. But boy, that can evaporate so, so quickly. One little bitty health crisis, you're in the hospital, and all of that physical strength can just be evaporated. If, if, if the Lord has blessed you to, to have physical strength, you know, don't, don't waste it like Samson. <laughs> you know, use it to the best of your ability to honor the Lord, but don't put confidence in that. Don't let out the wise man glory in his wisdom or the mighty man in his might. But let him that glorieth, let him glory in that he knoweth me and he understandeth me. Okay? Let's go to Psalm 142. Psalm 142, the fear of being overwhelmed. <clears throat> Obviously, the first response uh, that we're, we're kind of going through in this portion of the series, if you will, um, going through the specific aspects of the manifestation of the spirit of fear. But um, as we go through this, I always want to make sure we emphasize to you what the remedies are. We have the ability to conquer fear, okay? Um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And boy, fear is a, a mighty strong, uh, formidable formidable uh, stronghold in many of our lives. And, and you have the ability to tear that down, to overcome that. And uh, we'll spend a lot of time focusing on those remedies. The fear of God, walking in the fear of the Lord on a daily basis, prayer, faith, and many other remedies that we have. <clears throat> but the most important of those, which may sound simple, it may sound 
uh, trivial, but truly the most vital remedy that we have in conquering the spirit of fear that does not come from the Lord is prayer. It's, it's offering that burden back to him in faith and saying, Lord, this is a situation that I have no idea how this is going to end. And it is, it's important. I mean, this could go, uh, this funnels back into the fear of the unknown, right? But this is how we all think. We can all be honest together. This could go a thousand different ways and, and 99% of them are going to go bad, Right. And Lord, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous about all the 99% that's going to go bad. But you know what? Instead of me trying to, uh, now if you can do something, you know, there are things we don't have control over, okay? But there are some things that you do have control over. If you have control over it, go do something. But most of this stuff we don't have control over. So do I really trust God enough to offer with all of those concerns and all those things, bugaboos that I could see that could go wrong, do I really trust God enough to say, you know what, you are better equipped to handle this situation than I am. And I'm going to truly commend it over to you in faith, in prayer. You know, I've shared this uh, poem with you uh, quite a few different times. If I can find it here promptly, y'all bear with me again. Broken dreams, broken dreams. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because He was my friend. But instead of leaving Him at in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried, "How can you be so slow, my child?" He said, "What could I do? You never let them go." <laughs> That's the struggle, isn't it? You know, I feel like most of us, maybe you're like me. If you're not, then I'm sorry to bring you down to my level. But if um, I feel like most of us are decent when we are praying to say, Lord, this is all yours. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to have to bless this situation. Lord, please bless and guide according to your will. But then we may put that that yoke off of our neck for a few minutes in prayer. But all of us, probably, are pretty sure that we make sure we don't leave the yoke there. We make sure we pick that yoke right back up and we put it back on our neck and maybe even try to help with ways that were my, that were my own <laughs> of what, how I perceive that something should go. And therefore, I want to make sure that I secure that that's going to happen and meddle with ways that were my own. I feel like most of us probably are willing to, uh, and, and I'm sure you feel that, that, that peace when you commend the challenges of this life over to the Lord in prayer. The problem is giving those challenges to the Lord and leaving them there, right? That's the, tr that's the trick. That's the, tr the, the struggle. Because I feel like all of us have the ability in that in that moment of prayer to feel that peace, but do we walk in that peace after the prayer is over because we have truly left that yoke with the Lord and left that yoke and that burden with the Lord for Him to bear that burden. <clears throat> Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And this is describing prayer. It's describing prayer. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And you notice the intensity of this. Right? 
You know, these are not, you need to pray without ceasing, you know, pray in your head all, all day long, but this is an intense prayer. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knowest my path. He knows exactly where you're at. Let's, let's put a, keep your finger there. I want to go to Job 23. There's no one that's ever been overwhelmed or had any higher degree of intensity of stress or burden upon him than Job. The Lord saw fit in his wisdom and in his will to remove the providential hedge to allow Satan to afflict him for a period of time. And he gave, uh, as I always like to say, the Lord gave Satan just enough rope to hang himself. And by the end of it, the Lord triumphs over this temptation of Satan and Job receives double in the end than what he had before. The Lord, the Lord gave just enough of the removing of the hedge to manifest his power and his glory and his triumph over the temptations of Satan. But you know, I think part of the root causes of this fear of being overwhelmed and the fear of stress is that um, most admonitions in Scripture where it tells you to fear not, the reason why we should not fear is because God says, fear not for I am with thee. Fear not because I'm with you. I'm right here in the midst of this. But I'll tell you, sometimes when you're in the midst of that fire, when the floods, waters seem to be rising, you know, um, if you've ever been in a position where I'm not a very good swimmer, so it gets me a little bit nervous when the water gets, gets kind of high. But if you've ever been in a position where, you know, the water's rising and it's getting up to where it's about to cover my mouth, there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with that, right? But, you know, you're going to be at a lot more peace if you've got a lifeguard sitting right beside you, right? Because they know what they're doing, and even if I am not able to, uh, to handle this situation, I know they're going to get me to safety. So when you feel those waters rising, the reason why we should, we should have confidence that that water is not going to uh, flood me, it's not going to overwhelm me, is because God says, I'm with you, right? He's the lifeguard that's right there. That's I'm with you. But you know what? Sometimes when we're in the midst of that, you know, people get panicked, you know, just using the same analogy there. That water gets high and, and I, I get flustered and I get nervous. You know, you may forget that there's a really reliable lifeguard right beside you, okay? Because you get afraid, because you get nervous. And I'll tell you, sometimes when you're in the thick of those overwhelming rising waters and in the, in the heat of the fire, sometimes we do not have clear vision to see the Lord as manifest as we would like to see him in the midst of that moment. And part of that's just through our own distraction, right? I mean, y'all know that. When you get when you get afraid, when you get nervous, you you don't process your surroundings the way you normally would, right? You miss things. 
You, you don't see things that are there, but you're so distracted with being consumed with something that's right in front of you. You don't see something that's, that's right over there. Under normal circumstances, you would, you would see it, right? But the fear there, I think, is that I forget in the midst of that trial that the Lord is right there with me because sometimes I can't see Him clearly. We've tried to highlight this um, as we've been going through the will of God on the radio. But you know what? Even if you can't see exactly how the Lord is moving in a specific circumstance, don't you ever doubt that the Lord is right there with you moving and guiding and providentially directing, even if you can't see it. And that's faith, by the way. That's faith. We don't walk by faith. Oh, wait, excuse me. I should know that's wrong. Um, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, right? So the reason I have confidence uh, that God's going to bless me is not because I necessarily see a visible angel. Well, hey, if you fear him, remember, walking in the fear of the Lord, God's angels encamp round about them that fear him. They're, they're there, whether you can see them or not. But whether I can visually see the hand of God in this situation or not, I know he's there. And you know what? If there's anyone that had a, in the midst of this heated situation and not, not just the loss of his business and the loss of his holdings and all of his possessions and death of his ten children and his wife turning on him and then him losing his health, all of that that happened in such a short period of time. And then his supposed best friends show up and say, you're a horrible, dirty, rotten sinner, and you won't repent. <laughs> the whole reason this is happening is because you won't repent of your sin. And then, as Job's just like all of us, you know, if, if I feel like that I'm being falsely accused and I am being in an argument with somebody, when they're falsely accusing me, I'm going to get a little hot under the collar. That's what we see in the book of Job, right? We see these arguments escalating. And they accuse Job, and he, he lets his, his uh, emotion get involved a little bit too much. And he starts really elevating himself. And now he was righteous. Praise the Lord he was. But he had a lot of shortcomings. And he starts elevating himself a little bit too much. So in the middle of all, that, all those struggles... What did Job fall back on? In the, in the middle of this argument with his supposed best friends that are saying, because you are refusing to repent of your sin, this is why this is happening. You know, I feel like in that circumstance, everything, I, I, I can't think of anything else that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> I can't think of anything. You know, most, most people... Um, even if everyone else is against you, at least I have my wife and my friends. Well, they turned on it. So in, the, so in the middle of this, and in the middle of this heated argument back and forth with these men that are falsely accusing him, that was no doubt personally injurious to him, people we trusted, and they're, they're falsely condemning him. I feel like it was really difficult to see Listen, the hand of the Lord was right there the whole time. But boy, it was hard to see in that moment. The fire was hot. 
the the floods they weren't just rising fast they are full above his head right but what did he go back to and this is what's so important to have these bedrock truths that are cemented in our soul cemented in our mind this is why you need to memorize scripture this is why you need to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and, and attend public worship so you can have your pure mind stirred up by way of remembrance because this is when you have to be reminded of the truths that you already know. So in the midst of this situation, Job says, <clears throat> Job 23, verse 7, There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. You know, God has left me in the middle of this situation. Now, we're going to keep reading, but, but notice what he says in this verse. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. A lot of people, that's, that's where they end, right? I can't see God in this situation. He's abandoned me. He's abandoned me because difficult circumstances are coming in my life. Listen, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Jesus promised it, okay? Just because tribulation comes in your life does not mean that God's not there. But many people feel exactly like verse 8, but they don't keep going in verse 9. On the left hand where he doth work. I cannot behold it. I know he's there. I know he's there. I know he's working, but I just can't see it. I, I don't understand it. I don't know how this is working out. Uh, but I have this bedrock truth that I know God's there. I just can't see it. I can't feel him, the power of him right here in the heat of this moment. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I know he's on the right hand, but he's hidden. I can't see it. I can't see him right here in this moment. But you know what? Job went back to this bedrock truth in the midst of these trials. That not only has God, even if, if in this time he is hidden from my vantage point, not only is he right there because he's promised me he'll never leave me or forsake me, he's promised me he'll give me grace sufficient. But then in verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. He knows exactly where I'm at. And he knows the, the reality of the weight of these struggles that I'm under right now. And I'll also add for you, He's the only one that really knows. I mean, I'm so thankful for my wife, for friends that I have, but you know what? I can't express to one person for them to really understand the responsibilities in a professional capacity, in a personal capacity, and in a church capacity. No one really understands and there's other miscellaneous ones, but in each of those, no one knows. There might be some people at work that could a little bit understand some of the pressures at work, but they don't understand the church responsibilities on top of that. You know, there are people that, that can understand some, some family situations of the, the joy and the struggle of starting to, to raise a family. But, you know, they don't, they don't understand, in my circumstance, the struggles of being a pastor on top of that and working a very demanding full-time job on top of that. You want to know the only person who knows intimately each of those things? The Lord. 
He's the only person. Now, some people can, can relate in a pastoral sense to a degree. Some people can re- relate in a professional sense to a degree. Some people can relate in a, in a personal sense or in a family sense to a degree. But listen, nobody knows the full extent of the burdens that are upon you except the Lord. Now, praise God for the people he has put in our life, our help meets, our dear friends that can pray for us. But you, and, and don't neglect the blessing of expressing to them the challenges that you have and, and asking for them to pray for you. But don't put all of your confidence in a person to understand the depth of the struggles that you're in the midst of. Jesus is the only one that can fully know. And you don't know what Job took confidence in? In the midst of the most intense period, you know, I, I feel ashamed even using the term stress to describe the, in the big scheme of things, the minuscule challenges that I have in my life. But you want to talk about the highest capacity of being overwhelmed and stressed, in my opinion, that anyone has ever faced. In the midst of that, Job took comfort in the fact, God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows the way that I take, and he knows better than anybody. Because he's the only one who can know. And then he also said, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I will be purified in the midst of this. And you know what? I don't fully understand. (laughs) You know, we don't know who wrote this book. We don't know who uh, uh, penned the book of Job. But you know, I don't necessarily know if Job read this book before he died. I don't know if he read this, especially the first two chapters. So we know behind the scenes curtains exactly what happened and the reasons why he was suffering this. But you know what? We don't know if Job ever read this. And you know what? The Lord wasn't even necessarily obligated to explain the whole thing to him. Now, if he did read it, later on in his life, and he would be able to say, wow, that's what the Lord was up to this whole time? (laughs) That's why he suffered me to go through all this stuff? But you know what? There's a a decent chance, if you'll bear with me for a minute, that this book was not written until Job was with the Lord. There's a pretty good chance. You know, again, I don't know who wrote this, but I think it might be reasonable to to assume that Moses wrote it when he wrote all all the other early books, I think it's fairly reasonable to assume that Job never read this. And you know what? He may have never known exactly what was happening. We know about it, but he didn't know about it because he may not have had this piece of inspired scripture before he went to be with the Lord. But you know what? That didn't matter. That didn't matter. You know, God's not obligated to explain the inner workings between the way in which he sees fit to remove his providential hedge or if he sees fit to suffer things to happen. He doesn't have to explain that to us. But in the midst of the trial, and Job didn't know, he, I mean, he questioned all the time in the midst of this, what in the world is happening? <laughs> which, by the way, 
that's a great reminder to us because in the midst of all this, he was he was still deemed as righteous, even though he made a lot of mistakes and he said some things he should not have said in the, the heat of a very emotional moment. But he was still deemed as righteous in the midst of, of, of all of this, this circumstance. But Job said, God knows exactly where I'm at. And also, I, I can see, uh, the reason I was mentioning Scripture there is because we can certainly see how the Lord is purifying him because we know exactly what's happening. But he doesn't. Not only does he not know what's happening, he can't see the Lord in the midst of this moment. But he says, Lord, I know you're trying me, and I know that I'm going to be a vessel that's more meat for the master's use after this trial than I was before. And that is without, that is without the knowledge that we have of what was really happening that we see in Scripture. So what did he go back to? Lord, you know exactly where I'm at, and I, I know that you're working I know that you're on the left hand and on the right. I just can't see you with, with perfect clarity right now. But I know that after, after you've tried me, I will be purified more than I was when I began this trial. Okay, so I want to go back to one, uh, Psalm 142. I poured out my complaint. But God knows. He knows the way you take. He knows exactly where you're at. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. You know, you know exactly where I'm at. You know the real challenges. And then also the Lord, the Lord knows uh, the real challenges versus just the challenges that you're putting on yourself because of the fear of the unknown. You know, I tried I, as a as an exercise this week. I've also tried to uh, just think through various situations. And you know, God has um, He's not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have the ability to think through this. And then also, in reality, is, is the weight of the situation really as heavy as it feels? Or is it just that I am allowing the fear of the unknown to consume me and add this additional stress when the, when the substance of the trial is not quite as strong as the way that I feel it here in the moment. And you know what? The Lord will give you a sound mind to assess that. You know? Is, is the reality of this situation as really as burdensome as I feel like it is? Or is it some of my own struggles that I'm allowing this fear and this anxiety and the fear of the unknown to create these struggles when there's not as much substance to really back them up? Okay? And also, here in Psalm 142, he says something very similar to what Job did. I looked on the right hand and beheld, but there was no man there. You know, I feel all by myself. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O God, and I said, Thou art my refuge. You know, I looked, and there was, there was nobody to help me out in the situation. But in, that, in the midst of the hopelessness of feeling alone, I looked to God. Because he was going to bless me in the midst of that. Okay, Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Prayer. Prayer is the relief for that. In thy faithfulness answered me, and in thy righteousness. I have confidence in your faithfulness. I have confidence in your righteousness. And I know that you're going to 
provide for my needs. Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy, thy sight shall no man living be justified. Now, David right here, he had a real reason to be stressed, to be in fear. The enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath uh, made me to dwell in darkness as, as those that have been long dead. You know, uh, the fear of death can sure enough create the fear of the unknown and a whole lot of stress, right? You want to talk about this all being connected? And boy, if I had, you know, if I had the governmental leader of a country literally having a not wanted dead or alive, just wanted dead poster everywhere around Israel and Judah, that's a legitimate reason to be afraid, right? That's a real reason to have a concern of the fear of man. But he said, Lord, in spite of that, and because of that, actually in verse 4, therefore is my spirit overwhelmed. And boy, if I had somebody literally making their life's mission to kill me, my spirit would be pretty overwhelmed too. My heart within me is desolate. But I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse, I meditate on the work of your hands. And then I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee, as in a thirsty land, Selah. Okay, I want to go to uh, Matthew 11. Before we conclude, Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse 38, uh, excuse me, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, who are the people that are uh, labor and heavy laden? A few verses before that, he says, Thank God, O Father, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. We're talking about children of God here. There, there is no... There's no burden and stress of this world for the unregenerate. They're as happy as a hog and slop. They're as happy as a sinner in the midst of sin, right? I mean, this is their world. This is not our world. We were made for heaven's world after we've been born again. This is not our world anymore. So who is labor and heavy laden? The children of God that are having to deal with the tribulations and the trials of this world. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When I was rereading that this morning, that really stood out to me. Learn of me. Know who God is. Know who Jesus is. And know he's reliable. Know he's faithful. And the more you know about God, the greater your faith will grow. The more confidence and trust you. So learn of him. Learn of Christ. For I am meek and low, and this is his, his, you know, learn of me, but this is his declaration of who I am. There's a whole lot more to learn about him, but this, in this context, this is his declaration of who I am. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. We've got a yoke to bear in this world, and we've got a burden, okay? You will have a yoke and a burden until the Lord sees fit to call you home, Okay? The only question is, are you going to bear the yoke and the burden of this world by yourself? Or are you going to take Christ's yoke upon yourself and have the, the blessed peace that passes all understanding because his yoke is easy and his burden is light? You're going to have a yoke and a burden no matter what. Are you carrying your own burden and the burden of the world? Or are you carrying Christ's yoke? And I've really tried to have that mental picture when I try to pray in the mornings. Lord, 
almost kind of like visually or mentally trying to pick something up off my shoulders and put it down. Lord, I'm taking off my yoke and I'm putting it down. And at the same time, I'm picking up your yoke and I'm putting it on me. <laughs> I try to have that mental picture to literally pick it up and put it down and then pick up Christ's yoke and put it on. And if I ever do that right, which doesn't happen that much, but if I do though, I can say that that day, my yoke is so much easier and my burden is so much lighter than when I rush through prayers in the mornings and I'm not focused on scripture and I'm just consumed with all the tasks of the day and my attention and the stresses of that day is what consume my mind. And boy, it's just not a very easy and light day when I, when I uh, lay down to go to sleep. But if you do put Christ's yoke upon you, listen, which, which is so contradictory, isn't it? You know, what we're, what we're doing when we're picking up Christ's yoke is we're taking up a cross, and by you picking up a cross, you would think that it would be suffering that you would get, right? You're picking up a cross that, that implies suffering. And there's a degree of suffering and sacrifice. But that degree of suffering and sacrifice, when it's made under the Lord, what you receive from that is not pain and suffering. Instead, it's lightness and easiness and a peace that passes all understanding. Okay, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Very quickly, be careful for nothing. Don't be consumed with the cares and the trials of this world. Be careful for nothing. How do we relieve that? How do we relieve our yoke and put on Christ's yoke? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known in the eye. And what's the result of that? His yoke is easy, his burden is light, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep, shall guard, shall protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to go to Isaiah 43 to close. Isaiah 43. Verse 1. And now thus saith the Lord, that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Why? For I have redeemed thee. I sent my son to die for you. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, he knows you're in the midst of that waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. That water's getting high. I feel like it's going to be up above my head, and it gets me nervous, it gets me afraid. Through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Why, why do we have that safety and protection in the midst of overflowing rivers and fire? Verse 3, for I am the Lord thy God. He's God. And I am with thee. Verse 5, fear not. Why? For I am with thee. Okay, one more. One more. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Many people go to this verse and say, the Lord will not put on you more than you can bear. Listen. You're a little particle of dust. Mm -hmm. Anything in this world, to a large degree, is more than you can bear. Mm -hmm. 
Therefore hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Also, don't don't fall into the trap. We all we all think this way. That nobody knows the troubles that nobody has ever had it as bad as I've had it. Read the book of Job. Read the prophets, you know. Sometimes I want to mope around about what I perceive to be some of the struggles in the ministry. Boy, if, if I ever feel that way, I usually try to go read Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And then I say, Lord, thank you so much for your New Testament kingdom. <laughs> and people that love me and people that uh, don't mock me and try to kill me, you know, we've got it pretty good. But also, Satan... He repackages stuff, but he doesn't have any new tricks. He didn't have any new tricks. The temptation is common to man. It's common to man. Now, why should we take confidence in the midst of that? But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape it that he's not going to necessarily remove it. He might, praise God if he does, that you may be able to bear it. You know, the problem is, may not go away, but he will give you grace sufficient to bear it. And one more, I promise. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul's thorn in the flesh. And by the way, you know, we take comfort in these verses. But sometimes, you know, let's not miss the context of what he's talking about right here. You know, this is not in the middle of uh, Matthew chapter 6 where he's talking about, you know, I take care of the lilies and I take care of the fowls and I'm going to take care of you. Paul's saying, I'm definitive. The whole reason he even gave this, he hadn't told anybody, anybody about this for 14 years. The only reason he did is because people were questioning his apostleship. There were false apostles and the reason why the Lord suffered this thorn in the flesh is because he didn't tell anybody about this. He didn't tell anybody about what happened 14 years ago when he was thought up, caught up into the third heaven. But you know what? The Lord, of course, the Lord, he told him not to. But you know what? If, if this happened to me, anytime somebody questioned me, boy, this would be the club that I hit him over the head with. You know, you disagree with me, you're going to question my apostleship. I was caught up into the third heaven. <laughs> I heard words that was unspeakable. And you know what? It'd be very, very tempting for him to become very prideful that the Lord had graciously given him that revelation. So the Lord suffered this thorn in the flesh to remain lest Paul would be exalted above measure. Because if I was being questioned, if my apostleship was being questioned and I'm having to, these people that are being enticed by these false teachers and I'm having to tell them these guys are the false teachers and they're saying that you're the false apostle, boy, if I had in my back pocket that I was caught up in the third heaven, that would be the sword that I would be cutting everybody down with. But you know what? He hadn't told anybody about this for 14 years. It was between him and the Lord. And... And he said, this is the messenger of Satan. Satan sent this. Just like in the book of Job, Satan sent that. But God suffered it. And in his wisdom and in his will, God suffered it for a reason. Because it would be very, very easy. 
for pride to take root in Paul's head because he had been given this. And the Lord suffered that thorn to remain to keep him humble, to remind him of how weak he was. And this was the conclusion of all that. I wish we had more time to deal with this. But the Lord spoke to him. I I like red-letter Bibles. It just fits my eye. So in the middle of this, we have these words in red, the words of God, the words of Jesus Christ speaking to the Apostle Paul. He asked the Lord to take away this thorn, and the Lord said, Nope, I'm going to suffer it to remain to keep you humble to remind you of your weakness. And the Lord spoke to his soul and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, this is God speaking, for God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then what was the lesson Paul learned from this? Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Boy, they didn't feel good, did they? (laughs) I mean, do you think those stripes on on his back being beaten 39 times, you know, three or four times that that happened, do you think that felt good to his back? No, it didn't. But there was something that gave him peace in his soul, even when his back was bleeding and hurting. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And boy, there's nothing that reminds us of how weak we really are than for the struggles and the trials and the tribulations of this world to just get all up on us. And we realize, I, can't, I cannot bear these burdens alone. What's your remedy for that? I must tell Jesus. <laughs> I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me. Jesus alone, right? So what's our remedy? The first remedy is prayer. And and I'll tell you, every now and then, every now and then the Lord will flood your soul. Flood your soul with that peace that passes all understanding. You feel that yoke. It's easy and that burden is light. And I just wish I could walk by faith better. I just wish I could walk closer with him and and not allow that that stress and the fear of being overwhelmed to to bog me down and consume me. And I pray that the Lord will will bless us to to do that to the best of our ability and honor honor our Lord. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.